1: A song written for the movies A Hard Day's Night. Uh we got Cowbell again. And we got Nor- <laughs> we got and we got Norman Smith on the bongos. So that's fun. Um A Hard Day's Night. I love John and Paul's voices together and the bridge. It's another shadow life. I'm satisfied with this relationship and I want the world to know. Yow! But uh it isn't courty at all, even though that's the premise um It rocks my socks, I love the beginning and the ending, and I love the that Rickenbacker in the latter too
0: They keep finding ways to bring in the twelve string Rickenbacker twelve string that costs nine thousand dollars <laughs> into the songs but well, imagine that <laughs> i i hey man again, if you've got it, you use it. Uh, you mean like what else can you really say about this song? It's another one where I just can't imagine a world without it existing. Mm-hmm. It's just so much a part of the fabric of pop music that it's it's just it's just always there. Uh, I really love the additional percussion of the bongos and especially the cowbell. It's something I'm not tired of yet, but you know that we'll, we'll see. <laughs>
1: it's only the third uh, time. yeah. Okay, it's
0: yeah. It's not like the harmonica, but you know we'll see. Uh, and as you as you alluded to i really love the ending fade out um do you, do you know the the theory of a song's fade out
1: um i mean i don't know i know what it sounds like to me but I, is there an actual theory there,
0: yeah there's a theory that like when a song keeps that when when a song keeps going and just fades out rather than just ending it gives the feeling that like the song is goes on forever Mm-hmm. But it kind of just leaves you where you are. like. And I just really like a world where the song never ends and just has the chiming 12-string 12 12 string Rick just existing for eternity. It's almost like a perfect like run-out groove.
1: It, it leaves you where you are. Interesting. It's yeah. uh, It comes off as dreamy to me, which is indicative of their later stuff, uh, which might be why I like it.
0: Yeah, I can see that for sure.
1: You know that clinging chord that opens the title track. To this day people debate over what that chord is. Everyone's playing something a little different on the track. Um yep. George Martin he he says, you know, they wanted something to start the movie off with a bang, which they accomplished. I would Paul, say so. Paul to this day doesn't quite know what the chord is. George Harrison was asked in an online chat in 2001, and it's a very po- very polite uh, person who asked him a question. Mr. Harrison, what is the opening chord you use for A Hard Day's Night? Answer, it is F with a G on top, but you have to ask Paul about the bass note to get the proper story. Well, we asked Paul, and he didn't know. He just knew uh, it was know- an F and a G and a G or an F or whatever.
0: I feel like he kind of figured it out, because when I got the chance to see Paul live, he actually opened the concert with this song, which Mm. is, I thought was kind of odd, considering I I consider it mostly like a John song, but hey, maybe he was proud that he was was able to teach the band the opening chord and wanted to show it off.
1: Mates, I figured it out. We must do it every night. Uh, The phrase, A Hard Day's Night, has been coined, was coined by an exhausted Ringo following a filming session on March 19th, 1964. He said, it's been a hard day. He looked around outside and saw it was dark and said, night. So we came to a hard day's night. Um, in the 2021 book, The Lyrics, 1956 to the Present, so this is recent. Paul suggested another literary source for the title, besides Ringo, Part of what lies beneath the song, behind the song, is of course Eugene O'Neill's play *Long Day's Journey Into Night*. It was playing at the time in London, so we were kind of aware of that phrase. Hmm. hmm. I had never heard that before until I was researching the song. Uh, I should get that book, I guess. I guess so. Uh, or Beatles Bible will will have excerpts when appropriate. Uh, you know, I could save some money. Um. The phrase neatly summed up the frenetic pace of the Beatles' existence in 1964, going from hotel room to dressing room to stage and back again. When it was seized upon by director Richard Lester for the title of the band's first album and announced to the press on April 13th, it left Lennon and McCartney with the task of writing a theme tune in order, and John did it that night. Paul Paul remembers them coming up with the title differently. John remembers... Uh, Dick Lester suggesting it to him while they were going home in the car together because he had read it in John's book in his own right, spelled W R I T E. Get it, get it. He already stole it from Ringo, but gave Mm. Ringo credit. He gave Ringo credit. But Paul remembers a bunch of those folks and United Artist people coming together and rigging up, you know, the Ringo phrase and then that's how they got it. But in any event, it was thanks to Ringo and Eugene O'Neill. So John recorded it. So John wrote it that night. They recorded it three days later. Uh, Maureen Cleave of the Evening Standard, she described a memorable taxi ride that morning when she picked up John in a taxi. Uh, John's always in a taxi.
0: He's Um, always traveling.
1: He's always traveling. There's always stuff going on. It's the journey, not the destination. Uh, I think John was the last one of the Beatles, uh, by a considerable margin, to get his driver's license. I think that has something to do with it. Uh, oh, really? Yes. His vision wasn't perfect. Uh, that probably contributed to that. Um, so that's why he's in a taxi all the time, I suppose. He's always in an Uber. Um, so, A Hard Day's Night, original. he scrawled the lyrics on the back of a birthday card from a fan to his little son, Julian. And he originally wrote, when I get home to you, I find my tiredness is through. And Maureen Cleves like, that's a feeble line. And then he changed it to the slightly suggestive, when I get home to you, I find the things that you do will make me feel all right. Hey, now. So thank you, Maureen. Uh, Norm had played the bongos because Ringo couldn't.
0: <laughs> he uh, couldn't or he just didn't want to. <laughs> or he <laughs> just didn't clear. want to. He'd had enough of the maracas. He's I like, see. I'm not doing this again.
1: No. He's still bad from the time Alan White played. Yep. Love <laughs> never got over it.
0: Famously never got over it.
1: Fair enough. Uh, John says the only reason why Paul sang on A Hard Day's Night with him was because he couldn't reach the notes. When I'm home. How hard is that? Everything That's just, seemed to, to be, be right. right. Pre- when He's I'm home. Of cake. They recorded George's 12-string guitar solo and arpeggio outro. They doubled it up by piano from George Martin. The tape was played at half speed, so it sp- sounded speedier when played back. And yeah, that's Beatles, something
0: I never thought about before. No, like it's not they, something that's like an obvious trick.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, George Martin did it before on Misery with
0: the piano. Right, and does it later on uh, in my life, of course. Spoiler! Spoiler! No! Oh, sorry! Sorry! Oh my gee gosh, gee sorry! Gee oh. Gee. oh boy. Men in Black. Ooh. The
1: Beatles, uh, they won a Grammy for this one. You know, you don't... I never think about the <laughs> Grammys and, like, getting stuff right, but uh, good for them. Yeah.
0: I mean, this probably would have been a, maybe a – it's an Emmy. Like, they could have won an Emmy for it too, right? Oh, uh, not an Emmy. No, an it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be an Emmy. Oscar. An Oscar. thank you. Best for, original
1: uh, song. Best original song in a foreign film, maybe.
0: Going for EGOT. EGOT. Glory.
1: Peter Sellers did a spoken word cover, that's what you want to call it, as Lord <laughs> Olivier on this song. He performed it on the special The Music of Lennon and McCartney. It was also released as a single that reached the UK top 20. It's on YouTube.
0: You should really look it up. It's insane. <laughs> Any listener should really watch it.
1: Absolutely.
0: And the it, special that it's on is really good, too.
1: That's, that's, that's true. It was recently the something anniversary of it. Uh, in 1965. Uh, it's been a hard day's night. I've been looking <laughs> like a dog. Yeah, and so forth. And I I distinctly remember halftime of Super Bowl 36, a.k.a. Tom Brady's first Super Bowl when the Patriots shot the Rams. Paul McCartney performed his, his new single, Freedom, because it was the first Super Bowl after 9-11. And then at mm-hmm. halftime, Terry Bradshaw got a once-in-a-lifetime chance to duet with Paul, and he flubbed the lyrics to the song.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? At least they weren't lip-syncing, I guess, right? That's true.
1: Whitney used—no, when, when he didn't lip-sync. What does he say about that?
0: Oh, who—I forget who. Mm. You know who Miller. I think—yes, <laughs> li- well, you know who I think lip-synced in the Super Bowl was Tom Petty, but no one talks <gasps> about it. But that's a Whoa. Oh, yes. no. Tom. Oh no Tom. Oh well lump You know what ca- it, it, Yes I'm not going to get it
1: Love <laughs> oh, count is zero Not no love No love The Josie scale Is this better than your love buddy I'm going to say Yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah I'm going to also Give it a Yeah I mean, how could you not? It's, it's one of the most perfect pop songs ever put to tape. And, uh, man, just a shot across the bow in, in the world. So good. The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh, yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine.